Amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you, congregation. And thank you, Jody, for the opportunity to share uh, the Word of God from this uh, pulpit with this, this beautiful congregation. I'm going to, um, I'm going to continue uh, on, the, uh, on the topic of prayer. And, uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to maybe talk about an aspect of prayer that's not, uh, not commonly discussed. And uh, I'm calling it uh, commanding prayer, all right? Uh, did you know that prayer sometimes commands? You know, <clears throat> the church is notorious for, uh, for being one-dimensional where prayer is concerned and for only knowing how to employ supplication prayer or petition prayer, which is a requesting kind of prayer. And in that case, you're praying, uh, you know, Father, give us this day our daily bread, that kind of thing. But remember that before, in the Lord's Prayer, before he got to give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our, our trespasses and lead us, before he got into give us, forgive us, and lead us, he prayed these declarations. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not a request. That's a declaration. And that, was, that is fulfilled by virtue of the, of, the, the, of the declaration and of the boldness behind the declaration. Well, commanding prayer is sort of like that. It's a step above ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock is a great, a great uh, 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 prescription for prayer. But commanding prayer is above that. Commanding prayer is a type of prayer that when prayed, it assures, the command assures the fulfillment. You know, Wednesday night, I told our class, I said, here's the first rule of prayer is never pray until you know how the outcome of the prayer is going to be. Never pray a prayer that you don't have enough faith to assure what the outcome will be. If you do pray a prayer wondering what the outcome will be, you're not praying in faith. So how do I know what the outcome is, is going to be? That's what the Word of God is for. That's why the promises are in the Word to assure you what the outcome is going to be. Come on. I'm giving you some, some kind of big boy and big girl stuff, but hang, but hang on to it, okay? Because we're going to do more of that uh, this morning. And so, so, so prayer goes beyond just supplication. The church tends to be too passive. We tend to, we tend to you know, fold our hands and we're gonna pray a prayer, then we're gonna sit back and let God do all the work. Well, that's not how God designed it. God designed it to get you involved in the process as well. So I'm gonna tell the story, I'm gonna read and tell the story of the, of the Roman centurion who, uh, who approached Jesus on behalf of his servant who needed healing, okay? That's where we're, we're going to go. But please understand, we're going after something more than simply passively making supplication to God. We're going to talk about a dimension of prayer that stirs the pot a little bit, that makes things happen, and that can, um, that can, can hopefully can stir you and stir your faith to a, to a new level, okay? Uh, I appreciate the, 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 the month of prayer, the month of emphasis on prayer 
that we just finished. I appreciate that so much. As a, as a church member who sits in, uh, in the seat every Sunday, I, I want to say that to, to Jody and the staff how much I appreciate that emphasis on prayer. It, it, uh, it revitalized my own prayer life. The Monday night meetings were wonderful revitalized my own prayer life. It gave me a time to, to, to recognize an, a, a deeper emphasis on prayer. And I'll tell you, the reason it was effective is because Jody is a man of prayer. All the staff knows that at times uh, we're dealing with a topic in, in a staff meeting and he'll stop the meeting and say, let's, get, let's pray and go straight to the Lord because with the, the, the topic that we're just dealing with We've gotten sort of to the end of what we know about it. Let's address God now and let's call God into this meeting and get God involved in this. I appreciate that kind of emphasis on prayer and being led by that kind of a man of prayer. Father God, we pray in Jesus' name that as we approach this topic, Lord, as we work our way through it, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would bring revelation, God, and that you would bring us to a new level, a new level, God. That's my word, a new level, Lord. We need to go to a new level where our prayer life is concerned and experience you at a new level in Jesus' name, amen. All right, now with regard to the, um, to the, um, the, the Roman centurion, I'm gonna go to, um, uh, oh, in just a moment, uh, first of all, let, let me touch on the, on the book of Luke. Before we t- read the scripture on the Roman centurion, let me talk to you something about, to, let me talk to you about something in the book of Luke the ninth chapter, verses one and two. And I want you to recognize what's here and be aware of it. Listen, listen carefully. Then he, Jesus, called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority. He gave them what? Power and authority over demons and to cure disease. Power, and, power to cure disease, authority over demons. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So, so Jesus called his disciples together. He's getting them ready for an evangelistic work. He's getting ready to send them out to the streets. And their job is specifically going to be to deal with demon spirits and deal with physical disease. And so he sends them out to the streets and he provides for them. He, he, he invests in them power and authority. Now, where is faith in this? I don't hear faith mentioned. Does that mean faith is not important? It does not mean faith is not important, but it does mean that power and authority are very important in, the, in, 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 our, in, in our prayer life and in our ministry life. Now, now a little bit of a wake up call. We put so much emphasis on faith that sometimes we forget about power and authority. How do those three work together? Let me take you back in, uh, in, in my own life to my first, my first uh, junior varsity football game. Okay, I'm not gonna talk the whole game, just a little bit of it. <laughs> my first J- JV game, I go out to the line, I'm, play, I'm playing, uh, I'm playing a, a, a defensive uh, tackle. I go out to the line and, uh, and I walk out there in my clean uniform about two thirds of the way through the game that's where you start when you're a newbie, right? And so I, I go out and, and I'm introduced to the guy who's on the other side of the line. And the way this guy introduces himself is he beats on his chest and he gives me his statistics. 
210 pounds. Now, I weigh 140 pounds. This guy's a full 50% heavier than I am. I look at this guy and I, instant, I have instant intimidation. And so, I'm, so I'm, I, start, I start working on myself now because I'm gonna have to stand up to this guy. 140 pounds, 210 pounds. I look beyond him and there's that pocket, the right pocket. I mean, the, the, here's the quarterback over here. He's about to receive the ball. And I look over there and I see that little space uh, uh, beside him. That's where all the action is gonna happen. So my first thought process is this. My job is to figure this out. My first thought process is a half second after the ball is, is, uh, is, 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 is passed, after the ball's hiked, I gotta be in that pocket right there. And if that, if that quarterback moves to his right, I'm there and I'm on top of him. So the first thing I had to do is I had to recognize it and make it clear to myself that in a half second after the hike, you're gonna be in that pocket. You're gonna get past this big guy. Now see, I, I didn't wanna just stand there and wait for the guy. I wanted to be there when the, water, when the quarterback took a, took a step to the right. So in my faith, I was, on, I was in, this, in this pocket. I was in that, in that blank space right here. In my faith, I'm there. And so, uh, so that's established. As soon as that ball is hiked, I'm there. Now, how I'm gonna get there, I'm not sure yet, but I'm, I'm there. Well, what's gonna, that's my faith. But what's gonna get me there is my power. I gotta get through this line. So I made this decision. That big guy is gonna get hit with 140 pounds faster and harder than he ever has in his life. I'm gonna sting him real good. That's what a, that's what a wasp does to a guy that's 100 times his side. He goes and sting, I'm gonna sting this guy. And I'm gonna make him, make him know that I'm there from the very beginning. So I start telling myself about all that power that I have at, at, at only two thirds of the weight of this man. And then I see the guy get down in his stance and he's, and forgive me, I don't want to talk bad about him, but he's wallowing around like a big old turtle. And I'm watching him wallow down to his, and I think, oh man, I own this guy. Anybody that slow, he's going to still be looking for me when I'm back here in the pocket, when my faith is working. So now I have authority over this guy. I've got faith because I see myself over here where I'm not. And I've got power because I'm gonna hit him with 140 pounds more harder than he's ever been hit in his life. And I've got authority over him. I own him because he's still gonna be looking for me when I'm past him. Because I'm twice as fast as, are you understanding the relationship between those three? When I got those three things working for me, I'm on the go, buddy. But you know what a lot of Christians do? They, they emphasize faith and they forget about power and authority. But power and authority means you got some skin in the game. You got some energy. You're going to put some energy out here because you're going to have to see yourself in a new light. Not only two thirds the size of this guy here, but you're going to have to see yourself 
as capable of using the power that's on the inside of you in a way that he po can't pos the enemy can't possibly match. And you've got to recognize that the devil does not have authority over you. You have authority over him. And whatever growling and groaning he, 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 he offers you and whatever threats he throws at you, you have authority over him and you can take him out the moment you decide to. When you get those three things straight, you're ready to, you're ready to, 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 to chew up and spit out some devils, all right? But if you, now if you don't get that way, you're not gonna walk in faith. You don't walk in faith simply by envisioning yourself where you're not. You're got, you've got to apply some power and you gotta walk in authority. All right, now let's talk about the let's talk about the this uh, this centurion. So Jesus is walking along and he's he's ministering to people and in Matthew chapter 8 verses 5 through 13 the Bible says this now when Jesus had entered into Capernaum now Capernaum is his his headquarters. During his during the bulk of his ministry this is where he lived. Now he probably had a home in the town and uh, and we know that Peter had a had a home in the town but but he, he probably did as Jesus probably did as well. So he entered into Capernaum and, a, and a, a centurion came to him pleading with him saying, Lord, my servant's lying at, at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now let's stop for a moment. A centurion, well, let's go ahead and read it all. Then I'll tell you. The centurion answered and, and, uh, and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word. Listen to this. Only speak the word and my servant will be healed for I am a man under authority. I also am a man under authority having soldiers under me. And I say to, to, uh, to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said to those, to those uh, follow, who, uh, who followed, assuredly, I say, I say uh, uh, to you that I have not found such great faith, though not in Israel. That means among the Jews. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and to sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the, in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will, uh, will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed it is, it is done uh, for you. And the servant was healed that very same hour. Now, who was this centurion? I want us to, I want us to get a picture of this, uh, of this whole scenario and develop some, some spiritual understanding from it and some practical understanding as to how we're to live and exercise our faith, our, our prayer privilege, all right? First of all, this centurion, who is a centurion? Now, first of all, he is Roman. He's not Jewish. He's a foreigner. He came in, uh, he came in with the Roman army a centurion, the word centurion means he's over a hundred men. He's a junior officer in the Roman military, probably about a captain in the Roman military. And he's over a hundred men and he's part of an occupying force. Now he's probably accomplished in battle. He probably has some, has some battles behind him because he's, because he's now in a situation where he could possibly end up in battle and he would be the commander, so he probably has some good some good uh, uh, combat experience behind him, and he's and he's got these hundred men, and the the centurions seem to be paid well. Could be because they are they are away from home, and so they're getting some some extra pay. 
And this guy, so this guy is, is not Jewish, he's Roman, he is not welcomed in this country. The, now the, the Roman occupation, what the Roman occupation looks like in Israel is this. They have taken over the country and they're trying to work within the governmental infrastructure of the country and they raised up their own king. His name is Herod, he's not the genetic king. He should not be king. There's nothing, no reason he should be king except that he has been appointed by Caesar to be the king of, uh, of Israel. And then, uh, and, but he's a puppet king because these, uh, these governors who are sent in, who, uh, who Caesar sent into Israel are the ones who are really calling the shots. Remember that, remember the Herod Pilate thing. And then, uh, but Caesar's the actual, uh, the actual supreme commander who is, uh, who is governing, who is governing Israel through this, this process, through this, this structure that he put together, right? So this, so this guy is not, is not somebody who is well-liked. And he's, uh, he hangs out around Capernaum. I don't know if that's his headquarters, but he hangs out there quite a bit around Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is a little bitty village. I've been to Capernaum. It's a little bitty village. I mean, you could walk through it. Uh, 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 it's almost like walking across our 12 acres here. It's just a little bitty place, houses real close together. No more than, than maximum 1,500 people living. It's a little fishing village uh, uh, on, the, on the hill just above the, the little harbor and on, on the Sea of Galilee. And, and so this guy is, he's not a guy that everybody in town likes. He's a foreigner. He is, he is, he is part of the oppressor who is uh, who is is, uh, is is occupying Israel and who, to whom people are paying taxes and they don't like any of this, so he's not welcomed in the community. Now, when he comes to Jesus, he he he. Well, let me let me say this before I go on. He is, for some reason, he loves the Israeli people, and he's trying to be on good terms with them. And in Capernaum, he actually paid the to build a synagogue for him. That's like, uh, we need a church in town. And he said, okay, I'll donate the church. He built the church in that town for the Jews to go and worship in. And, uh, and he loves the Jewish people. Now there is some theory, remember the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, Cornelius and the Italian band? These were the first Gentiles to accept Jesus as savior and be, and be born again and be filled with the Holy Ghost in, in Acts chapter 10. There's some theory that he is actually Cornelius who later shows up in chapter 10. Don't know if that's a fact or not. It's kind of a nice thing to think though. And so, because we don't know his name here. So this man comes to Jesus. Now, when he came to Jesus, the, uh, Matthew doesn't set, lay out the specifics, but when he came to Jesus, he didn't, he didn't go directly to Jesus. He sent some of the elders of, uh, of, of, uh, from Capernaum to go and intercede for him because he said, I'm not worthy to talk to this man. Do you hear the language? I'm not worthy. He should come under my roof. I'm not worthy to talk to this man. And so Jesus was, uh, said, well, okay, I'll go to your house and, and him, you don't have to do that. He said, speak the word only. And here's what he based that on. He said, I'm a man under authority. I say to this soldier, you're not where you belong, go somewhere else. Now he's saying that knowing that he is that soldier. He doesn't belong here. 
And he, so, so that's why he's trying to win the favor of the people because he loves these people and he sees something in Jesus that is enticing him. And he says, I'm a man under authority. He understands that Jesus can speak a word and accomplish great things. I'm a man under authority. And I say to this soldier, go, and he goes. I say to this and come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this. Now, when he said, I say to my servant, he's talking about the guy who's at home, laid up in bed, paralyzed, can't move, the one he's interceding for. I say to this servant, do this, and he does it. Now, where did he get those three particular commands? Here's where he got them. Listen carefully, because this will help you where your divine healing is concerned, and it'll help you where your faith is concerned. Where did he get those three? Where, why did he think of those three commands? I say to this soldier, go. I say to this one, come. I say to this servant, do this. Listen to this. This guy has, has, now see, Jesus did several miracles in Capernaum that he obviously saw. Nothing would happen in Capernaum that big that he didn't know about because he's the authority there. So some things happened in Capernaum that he would have seen. People were being healed and miracles were happening in Capernaum. I won't go into all that. But he had already witnessed, no doubt, miracles in Capernaum. And he had seen how Jesus worked. And when he watched how Jesus worked, he saw a likeness of how he worked. Because he saw Jesus saying, go, come, do this. He saw Jesus approach a sick person and Jesus always personified or personalized uh, uh, sickness. He, he recognized the sickness that's in that person is not just a condition of their flesh. There is an entity behind that. There is a soldier, if you will, behind that sickness. And that soldier is the real problem. It's a demonic entity who has brought that sickness. And Jesus would address that entity and tell that entity to go, casting this thing out. This guy saw that and he recognized that, that he could do that with soldiers, but the only reason he could do that was because of the authority that he was under because there was an authority structure over him. And up the line, Caesar was the top guy. And when this centurion spoke, it was as though Caesar spoke and this soldier obeyed because of Caesar's authority. He recognized that Jesus was under authority the supreme authority of God. And when Jesus spoke, God has just spoken. And so he recognized that and he stated it. He said this, he said, and so he's, he's thinking Jesus only has to say to the disease, that demonic entity that has brought that disease on my servant, Jesus only has to say to that, to that entity, I want you to leave. And because Jesus is a man of faith, because he has power, because he has authority, this thing is going to go. And then he said, I say to this soldier, come, and he comes. He has watched Jesus. He understands that once Jesus has made the disease leave, Jesus can call on healing to come. And now this entity, this soldier from heaven will come and bring healing into that life and will effect the healing and the miracle that's necessary in that life. And then Jesus speaks to the servant. He speaks to the individual who was the who was the, 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 the victim of that sickness. And he says, stretch out that withered hand. And he does. Rise up from that, from that bed. Take up your bed and walk. And he does. 
He sees that Jesus speaks to sickness and it goes. He speaks to healing and it comes and he speaks to the victim and he says, do what you couldn't do. And he did it. He sees this uh, in Jesus' life. All because Jesus is what? Under authority. Now, Jesus says, Jesus turns to, to the disciples and he says, he gets it. He gets it. All that people have been missing, he gets it. And he says, he says Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he said, even the fathers of faith, he's going to enter into fellowship with these people. He's in their category because he gets it. He sees that the word that is spoken under authority carries with it power and authority and it vanquishes the enemy and it brings forth blessings. He understood the whole process of how Jesus is healing the sick and he revealed it in a way that allowed others to see it and get hold of it. And Jesus said the very people, the church people, the people of the kingdom are not, don't even know this. And so when, it, when, it come, when the kingdom is established, he's going to come over here and sit with the fathers of faith because he understands this. And lots of church people are going to have missed it altogether. Can I tell you, a lot of church people are missing this right now. But we're getting it. Because God's authority is functioning in and through his church to do what? To vanquish the enemy that's bringing a curse into your life and onto this world, to call forth and bring the blessings of heaven from the one who issues those blessings, and then to turn to us and say, you have been free, now you can rise up and walk. Are you feeling it? All right, now I need to start drawing us to a close here, but here's, 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 here's the crux of it. Here's what will make this, this sermon work or not work. When you hear a story like this, it only helps you if you identify with it, if you find yourself in the story. And so I want you to find yourself in the story before we close, okay? Now, you can either find yourself as the, uh, now here are the characters in the story. There's the guy in bed that can't move. Is that who you identify in this story? Who you identify with? Oh, God help me. I'm, are you, are you the, are you the centurion who went, who goes to Jesus, who went to Jesus and said, would you please help? Are you the person who when, when somebody around you or when somebody in your family is sick, are you the person who goes to Jesus and, and starts your supplication? Oh, Jesus, my child is sick. Please help my child. Are you that person? Or are you Jesus who carries the, uh, the anointing of God in his life and who walks in the authority of God and who has been filled with the Holy Spirit and who is one with Jesus. Where are you in that? How do you identify with that? You know, the church, guys, we have hurt ourselves by identifying with the wrong people in a lot of stories. A story of the woman with the issue of blood. Most people, when if, when, if they try to identify with that, they see themselves crawling around on the ground trying to get to the hem of Jesus' garment. But according to the word of God, we're the ones wearing that garment. And if you don't identify with the right person, you're not walking in faith. You're not getting anywhere in your, in your, Christian, in your Christian walk. 
So I want you right now to decide that you do not identify with the sick servant. You do not identify with the guy within the priestly office who's going and making supplication for him, but you identify with Jesus who carries the authority of God. Jesus gave his disciples authority. They didn't have faith to ask Jesus. They had authority to do it themselves. And when you preach the kingdom of heaven, then you must demonstrate the kingdom that you, that you represent. And so church, I want you to recognize that you are under the authority of God. That the believer who is filled with the Spirit of God is under the authority of God. You are that person who is under authority. And you carry the authority of God. You're the one that Jesus called in, in the book of Luke, that Jesus called aside and said, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy that nothing shall by any means hurt you. You're the one to whom God has delivered the presence and the working of his spirit to perform. When the church recognizes this, then the church becomes a force that walks around here changing the world around it. And we walk out of here with that kind of, of authority and everybody that we run into who is being defeated by the curse, it becomes a subject of the blessing of God when we step out and begin to... So, so where is your identity with this? Are you ready? Do you have the courage to identify with Christ here? Do you have the courage to identify with the disciples and realize that I'm the person who preaches the kingdom and then demonstrates it? You know, when Jesus sent his disciples out to the first time when he sent them out to preach, here's what he said to them. He said, he said, uh, he, he, he delivered power. This is in uh, this out of Matthew, the t Matthew chapter uh, 10 that Jesus sent the disciples out and he said to them, go out and preach and say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand means reach out and touch it. It's here. You can touch it with your hand. The kingdom of heaven is within your reach. And th that's what you preach. Then you said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils freely you've received, freely give. So the, so the message, the commission was one, preach, Two, three, four, five, perform, demonstrate. The church has been commissioned not just to preach the kingdom, but demonstrate it. And so guys, here we stand right now, here, here we stand in the place of this centurion who sees and recognizes the power and the authority of God but then when we get that description of who Jesus was, we start to realize, no, 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 wait. I'm the guy with the authority. I'm the guy who is under, under the authority of God. I'm the guy who has been commissioned, filled with the Holy Spirit and sent to this world to change lives. And so I'm stepping out now and I'm gonna begin performing the way God ordained that I should perform. Remember one, one commandment to preach, four commandments to perform. When Jesus was asked to define his ministry, he said, go and tell John that the blind see, the lame walk, the, uh, the, the dead are raised, the, the, uh, the uh, lepers are, uh, are, are, are cleansed. He gave, he gave five, five uh, 
examples of demonstration. And then he said, oh, and by the way, the poor have the gospel preached. One preach and five demonstrations is what Jesus gave that defined his ministry. You know who you are? You are a living demonstration of the grace of God. You are more than just a preacher of righteousness. You are a demonstration of the kingdom of God and how it functions and how it blesses. How do, how do I get there, Pastor? First of all, you, I, you, you come under the authority of Jesus and you submit yourself to him. One of the things in the military that we learned was this. We, we were able to, we had to be able to get out of basic training. We had to be able to quote our chain of command from the guy standing in front of us every day all the way up to the president of the United States and recognize that I am under, when I speak, I are, when I, when I work, when I serve, when I function, I am working under the authority of the president of the United States. When I speak, the president has just spoken. When I give instructions to the person who is subordinate to me, everybody in that chain of command up to my commander in chief is behind what I'm saying. Understand, listen, this, the first thing this, this, uh, this centurion did was he militarized the whole process. He saw that Jesus was a military man performing a military function. How did he know that? Well, we see military people, we know it by the, by the uniform, right? When he looked at Jesus, it took him just a little while to say, this guy's wearing, he's wearing, he's wearing the girdle of truth. He's wearing the breastplate of righteousness. This guy's got on the helmet of salvation. He's got on the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. He's got the shield of faith and he's carrying the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He saw the uniform. He saw that this man was armed with the armor of God. And guess what? You are too. You are too. But then, then you're gonna have to take on that military attitude that I am at war. I am at war. And when my child is sick, this is not just something that I need to mourn over. It's something I need to go to battle about. I need to recognize that an enemy has invaded my household and he's going to go. And I'm the one that's going to make him go in the name of Jesus because I have that authority. Amen. Can you buy that? Stand up with me, please. We're going to give an altar call here in a moment. And our prayer, our prayer team is going to be up here and they're, and they're ready to begin ministering to people. And I want you, listen, if there is an issue in your life, if there, first of all, if there's a physical issue in your life, if there's a spiritual issue in your life, you need to receive Jesus as your Savior, this will happen right here this morning, right here at this altar. Anything that you need, if there's an issue in your God, if in, in your life, if there is sickness in your life, there's a demonic bondage in your life, if there's something in your family that needs to be dealt with, today is your day. But I want you to come up here like come up here like you're a militant military person, and that you that you face the idea, and you're dealing with the fact that this is war, and my family, somebody in my family needs a, needs healing or needs deliverance, or I need a blessing from God and I'm going to get it this morning because I'm dressed in the armor of God. Take on the attitude of, mili of a military individual and determine that I'm going to war right now for my household or for a need in, in my life. 
we had words of knowledge. If uh, if if uh, you have been um, if you have been examined by uh, more than once by a doctor and they cannot find your they could not come up with a diagnosis for your condition, maybe the condition changes or something, but the doctors have not been able to diagnose you. This is your time. This is a word of knowledge. God wants to meet you at the altar today and help you with those issues. Secondly, if you have a dry eye problem. We've gotten a word of knowledge that God wants to, uh, that God will meet you at the altar and and uh, and and uh, solve your dry eye problem. So begin coming up right now in Jesus' name. Uh, Lori's going to come and uh, and dismiss us, Father. In Jesus' name, we recognize you as our Lord and Savior and our Redeemer, and we recognize, Lord God, that we stand in your authority today, dealing with issues, Lord God, that have tried to bring a curse against us in our lives. Lord, we withstand it in Jesus' name, and we receive our deliverance.